for joining us again for another episode of Poopology. We're at the Altzuro Spa and Health Centre in Ibiza. We've had a wonderful day relaxing, which is probably why we sound a little bit sleepy today. <laughs> Apologies. And as always, I've got my co-host Claire. I think I'll change my name to Crispy Claire today from the sun. <laughs> And I've got Jamila. Hello, um, I'm not changing my name because I'm not crispy. <laughs> and we have the wonderful Uzma joining us again. Hello. So now we're going to talk about our poopy moments of the week. Go. <laughs> I am going. So I've had a few poopy moments of the week. So basically, my friends are deaf. I said one thing, and all they heard was Jack Strips. I have not heard anything but Jack Strips for days now. That it's is what getting, you said. That is not that what is I said. Exactly what you said. I concurred that that is what you said. Osma, I'm just going to point out that you at one point told me you didn't even know what I said, and so now that the fact that you've changed your no. mind, that is peer pressure. Do not succumb to it. My I other, I'm moving Strips. on, guys. I'm moving on <laughs> to my other poop moment, which happened this morning. So I got woken up by our very classy neighbours in our apartment who were making a show of themselves at the pool all day and woke me up at 20 to 6 with party exuberance having come back from a club. I thank them for waking me up in time for sunrise. What I don't thank them for is actually being flashed and realising that they were naked and getting to see full frontal, which was not the way I wanted to start my day. <laughs> 20 to 6 in the morning. No. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> that was my, my cue to come back in <laughs> and off the balcony. I mean, if, if there's a way of getting ready to go to a spa, that's got to be <laughs> <laughs> So my poopy moment happened just before we were leaving for Ibiza. It was the day before, and my three-year-old said, come and play with me, mummy. And I said, okay, what are we playing? And he said, we're playing captains and ships. And I said, excellent, can I be the captain? And he went, no, you are the big whale. <laughs> the big whale oh my god so I was like great thanks thank you darling appreciate appreciate the body boost there my poopy moment was a few nights ago when I was delirious because I was so tired and I was trying to explain that my ankles and my feet hurt but instead I went everything below my feet no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you, what you said was. Well, that would have been even worse. Yeah. But I said everything below my ankles were in pain. So just my feet. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot since I'm sure I'm sure with her, so yeah. And your poopy moment? My poopy moment has to be when I received a rather intriguing email from Ryanair around 48 hours before our trip. So I was full on ready. I told all the girls we're going to buy all our duty-free allowance of alcohol because other people who've been to Ibiza will know that it's quite expensive to drink in the nightclubs. And we thought we'd be a little bit more suave. We've got sea-facing balconies, so we thought we'll sit out on the balcony and have some beverages before we go out every night. So that was the plan. And then I received an email right now. If you are flying to Ibiza, please ensure that you're aware that you cannot buy anything from Duty Free unless you put it into your suitcase and we take it into hall. Otherwise, we're not going to let you on the airplane, basically. And you're not allowed to come intoxicated. 
and you are just generally not allowed to drink or consume alcohol in any way whatsoever. So that, I think, was my poopy moment. I know it's sad, but I had a poopy moment then. I thought, oh yeah. no. Especially as we were allowed to buy duty-free, we were allowed to take it on the plane, and there were people drinking well, on the plane. Well, I think that made it even more poopy, because then I thought, why have they let us on with this alcohol? Is it because we look too old? Too mature. These ladies look very sensible. I think we will allow them to take their alcohol on. Since they've bought a bottle of champagne and a lovely liqueur, <laughs> they look like the Ibiza types. <laughs> Excuse me, 37%. Oh. So, yeah. That liqueur literally would like coat engines. Rocket fuel. Yeah. It's gorgeous though. Today we're going to pick up a subject that we kind of touched upon in one of our previous podcasts about identity. There was a a little section, I guess, at the end of one of the podcasts where uh, we were talking about passports, all having British passports, and we all here do have British passports. However, I'm half Turkish, half Scottish, where... I am born in Yorkshire, raised in New Zealand. I was born here, but my parents are from the West Indies, so our family have always had British passports, but we're black. And I was born here, but my parents are Turkish. So it's just interesting because even though we're all British and we all have British passports, I'm not quite sure if we all necessarily identify as that. I know that when people ask me, where are you from? I tend to say I'm Turkish. And I think that's because I mean, I grew up with my mum and her culture probably is more embedded in me than anything else, I would think. That's my own situation anyway. And I was born in Turkey and lived in Turkey until I was about six, brought up by a bunch of Turkish women, you know, my grandmother and my aunt. So I think probably that's why I see myself as more Turkish than anything else. But weirdly, when I'm in Turkey and people ask me, I say, I'm Turkish, but I've come from London. Just to explain why I'm not like every other Turkish person in terms of my views or the way I look or perhaps even just my clothes. What about your accent? My Turkish accent is quite good. If I do say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I probably have what you would class as like Queen's English, but the Turkish version. The only time they actually think that I don't talk like a Turkish person is because I was taught Turkish such a long time ago and I haven't lived there for so many years, I don't know any slang words. So when I talk, I speak extremely proper and use what they now call old Turkish language, which is kind of almost like Shakespearean probably, Mm. You know, that's like the closest way of explaining it is that a lot of the words I use stem from Arabic and they're like very old school. So generally people in their 80s talk like I talk. (laughs) Or journalists or, you know, like people like that talk like that. So that kind of throws people a little bit. I think more than that is when I talk, it throws people because I'm like 25 talking like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Usman gets that too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I grew up in New Zealand, but I've lived in London for 15 years now. And whenever I go back home, so I'm from a small town, my friends do laugh at me and they call me posh, which I think is funny because I don't think I sound anything remotely posh, but I think it comes down to the slang words. I don't use slang words, and it's because we weren't allowed to as children. We would always get told off, so we weren't allowed to say sort of kiwi eyes slang words so i think i remember once one of my friends saying to me oh you speak so posh sometimes claire when you come back i said what are you 
you know, give me an example of what you're referring to. She said that, what you just said then. Referring <laughs> to you. Nobody speaks like that. Sorry. How may I help you? <laughs> oh, please call her. Oh. They do make fun of me mm. with my um, bizarre Kiwi accent. And for me, born and bred, London, Hackney. Apparently the only time I sound like I'm from Hackney is when I say the word Hackney. Oh. Apparently, now though, that doesn't even think because I actually pronounce the H. But yeah, for me, my identity's always been quite split, born and bred in London and in the city London. But yeah, in amongst a very much Caribbean family, so Caribbean food. I did definitely, you know, learn some slang, but I can't do accents. So me attempting to do any kind of Caribbean accent just actually sounds like an insult to my entire family. <laughs> so, Go and do it. Do it. No, no, no. Yeah, we're no. intrigued. No. I do. No, I do. No, no it's, it's really bad. It's, sometimes it sounds like I'm doing somebody from Yorkshire, but I'm trying to do a Jamaican accent. It's, <laughs> it's, it's literally, it's just, you know, it's an insult to all you know, involved. But... Sometimes I find it quite hard because on the form, when they ask you about your identity, I get two options. Black African stroke Black Caribbean. Yeah. Because we're all obviously a homogenised group. Or Black UK. And often I don't feel like either. Well, it's interesting what you say about forms, actually, because for years we've not ticked either anything or just, you know, if there is a British, British, and sometimes white, because we're not any of those things. You know, we're not Asian. Mm -hmm. Like, the closest thing, I guess, is, like, Asian, but we're not actually Asian. We're not European, even though half our country is in Europe. We're not... Do you know what I mean? It's like a... We don't actually have a box to tick. You know, there's no such box that exists for us. I mean, mine is always white British but that's not me because I start identifying myself as an English Kiwi right yeah so I find that's the easiest sort of way to say it but the only option for me is white British on all those forms or white other yeah I mean it was interesting because you had that issue right with your son yes and some passport problems uh, I did so I was trying to get my children New Zealand passports which I thought because I'm a New Zealand citizen and I grew up there, that it was just going to be an absolute formality. That there was going to be no issue that I would just send it off and I would get their New Zealand passports and they would come back in the post and everything would be lovely. And I got a call from New Zealand Immigration. I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. Why are they calling me? (laughs) And he said that because my New Zealand citizenship is through descent through my father, that it stops there and my children are not able to get New Zealand passports and citizenship off the back of me. So I went, what? Because I had no idea that my New Zealand citizenship was through my father by descent. I thought I had it of my own right. I did actually feel sorry for this guy because I said to him, I'm about to cry. And he went, oh, okay. And I went, no. (laughs) I just literally went hysterical at this poor guy on the phone. And I'm thinking he probably has no counselling degree at all and doesn't know how to deal with some wailing 40-year-old woman crying because her children can't get New Zealand passports. So he did explain that there are two ways that I can do that, that if we ever did decide to go, that they could get visas and go as immigrants which I wholly object to not that there's anything wrong with being an immigrant but when I'm a citizen of that particular country it was a real shock to me or the other option was that we needed to apply to the Minister of Foreign Affairs and he would grant us or hopefully will grant us a special ministerial grant where we can claim for citizenship for the children that way but we had to write a letter claiming our ties my parents had to write a statement we had to show all sorts of evidence that we had all of these ties to New Zealand so we're still waiting to see if the children can get New Zealand passport but aside from that the other thing for me was the shock of am I not a proper Kiwi yeah 
am I not a proper New Zealander? Why am I only half a Kiwi? Like, yeah. what, what is that? I, I've always identified as a New Zealander. Yeah. So being told that you don't have the same rights as a full citizen, I don't know if that's the right, correct terminology, but it, it was pretty shocking. Yeah. It took me a few days to get over that. I was a bit shocked. Yeah. Mm. I mean, when you were explaining on the phone, I could tell you were really, you know, cut up about the fact that you felt like, you know, what what is my identity? Yeah, like, what, 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 what am I now? Mm. Yeah, yeah. What, what am I yeah. now? And why aren't my children, you know, the same as me? Or yeah. why can't they be considered the same? So that's why I think it's quite an interesting subject. I mean, we have the same sort of thing in Turkey. I know that we've allowed our passports to lapse before because we don't really have a use for the passports there's identity yeah. cards and other things in turkey which is what you kind of use for most of your sort of requirements you know if you need to open a bank account yeah. or you need to do something you can use your id card passport is only really used for traveling and because we're british and we have british passports we don't really need a turkish passport to travel so for many years we just couldn't be bothered to you know get it updated and then something happened oh yes mum decided she was going to take us to russia <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't realize that you can't go to Russia on your British passport you without can't? a visa. Okay. And the visa application process is quite long. And me in particular, I actually fall into the can't get a visa category because I studied medical biology. And if you studied or have done a master's degree in kind of science related, especially anything with chemistry in it, okay, they do not want you to come to their country. Why? I don't know. I mean, I think at the time I remember like joking and saying, what do they think I'm going to build like an atom bomb or something? You know, I, I mean, it's not a skill that you're taught in medical biology. <laughs> yes. but, you know. So I have no idea. It's actually on the form. It says if you have studied the following subjects at university level or higher. So you can never, ever go to Russia? Basically, not with my British passport. Okay. With my Turkish passport, oh, okay. I don't even need a visa. Really? Yes. Oh. Is that, like, <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> like, Cold War throwback. I have thing. no idea what it is. You're exactly the same know. person. <laughs> <laughs> you can enter on two different passports, the same identity, yeah. yet on your Turkish one, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But exactly. on your British one, yeah. No, sorry, yeah. you can't come yeah. in. Very strange. Do you Very think that's strange. the relationship between the countries? Rather could be, could be. Rather than I mean, Turkey and, and Russia have traditionally had a very good relationship. Now, in recent years, our Prime Minister said a few things that has pissed the Russian Prime Minister off on a couple of occasions where he just kind of flew a few planes aggressively over our country yes. and we just stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, you know, generally the relationship, I think, has been a good one. So it could be that. Yeah. Interesting. Not quite sure. So I remember my dad, he's a Kiwi, telling me a story about when he was 21. He was going to Australia, from, from New Zealand to Australia. Like a lot of Kiwis do, they go, go to Australia, to Sydney to live for a while. And this was before the days that you really needed passports. So you could just travel between the two countries. And there was a situation with an interesting character that was a friend of someone he knew who was in a bit of trouble with the police or with the, some gangs or something so he took my dad's ticket and traveled across to Australia as my dad oh my god and left my dad his ticket what? so the only thing my dad could do was travel across to Australia on this ticket called JJ Greenaway oh my god so when he gets to Sydney airport yeah 
the first thing they do is they grab him, the police, you know, yeah. security are waiting for him, and they realise he clearly does not fit the yeah. description of this JJ Greenaway, and they let him go. They oh let him God. go into bed. No passports required. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so that was a dodgy yeah. friend of a friend, really. It was like an extended yeah. friend, yeah. But, you know, you had no passports required then, mm. and then, uh, you know, that kind of goes back to what's happening with Brexit and all of that sort of stuff now. Everyone's fighting about hard borders and you know, how to sort of separate each other, mm. America and its wall with Mexico, and there's us trying to create, you know, an imaginary wall with the rest of Europe, and even looking at how we could potentially, you know, put up walls even amongst ourselves as the British Isles, you know, with yeah. Ireland and Scotland wanting to stay and all this kind of stuff. So the days of free travel, I think, are fastly ending. Yeah. <laughs> no more JJ Greenaway tickets. No, no. <laughs> but also it would have made this trip significantly harder for us like literally all we had to do is book tickets find a hotel and get on a plane yeah like in two years time will we have to get visas yeah and get approved before we can even book a ticket then like yeah. i mean possibly yeah i know pre-european union us joining the european union we had to get visas but they were just visas at the door however now that we've basically pissed off half of europe i'm not i'm not quite <laughs> sure you know yeah, yeah. if that's going to be like as freely available and then yeah. i'm intrigued because there are lots of people talking about how many european union citizens are residing in the uk and the fact that they're you know taking over Mm. Uh, our country and that's why we want to go through this this Brexit scenario but I think there's a hell of a lot of English people that live in Spain for example as well as lots of other countries outside of Europe too there's so many people going to Australia and yeah. Know, New Zealand like loads of people moving to these places Canada where there are certain professions that are sort of widely wanted mm. in the country and they get paid very well so is this a bit of a double standard or what, what do you think I think it's a double-edged sword because to be quite honest life in England is not as easy like it you know we have all the like first world greatness but we also have all the first world problems and also I don't know living in London it's expensive you know you're really quite separate from people like whereas like my friends who've moved abroad the first thing they've done is like with the money they've moved abroad with I can afford a house it's about four times the size one of my friends lives in Australia now and I'm, I'm pretty sure that their entire first floor of their house is the size of their old house in England, is the size of their kitchen in Australia. And yet they can afford to buy a four bedroom house with ease and better weather. (laughs) And you know, they, they were only thinking of going out there for a few years. I don't think they're ever coming back. Mm. And that's, you know, that's two people have lost. I know so many people have gone abroad because they've got the skills that other countries want and value and will pay for. And they've got the lifestyles that actually people want, which is, you know, a little bit busy, but you know, you've got the, the balance. But do you not think then we should be able to offer other people from other countries yes. what, whatever they're looking for in our country? Yes. You know, you're talking about your friends who could get a bigger house or a better yeah. job or a different yeah. lifestyle, better standard of living. So they've managed to go to wherever they've gone to and get that. How about those people coming from there to our country to get whatever it is that they're no, attracted to? Well, I think um, it's a double-edged sword. Well, actually, I think it's a one-edged sword because we'll have people going, but we won't have people coming in. What, what, do, you, what do you think it is that makes them attract to the UK? I think people think that there's a lot of job opportunities and that, you know, it's a more thriving economy. You know, if you look even within Europe, Greece has had problems. Italy has had massive problems. You know, there's been a lot of recession Mm. all over Europe. 
people in Spain have suffered, you know, joblessness has risen quite significantly. So people from these countries have had issues. So when they can freely, you know, move in and out of the UK and there's a requirement for a service that they're able to provide, mm -hmm. you know, why not? There's a lot of nurses in the NHS mm -hmm. and doctors that come from Europe. And now that some of them have left in fear of what's happening, there's actually a shortage. So, you know, there was clearly a necessity and they needed jobs, they came and we, ne mm. we needed those people and it's worked out in, in some way. And I do think it is kind of equalised in some way too, because then there are people, as you say, like your friends who had a bit of money but couldn't afford a proper house mm. in England, but they've invested in the economy in where they've gone to, yeah. right? So if they've bought yeah. a house in Spain, they've actually invested in, or if they've yeah. started a job, yeah. you know, in this country, they've invested into this country. So does it not just equalise, you know? It's kind of going back to you culturally identify as something, you're quite strong about it. And then, you know, nationalism and things like that kind of perhaps rise out of that. But feeling like you strongly identify as something, does that also mean that you have to be totally kind of cut off from accepting, you know, other people? I don't know if I'm putting yeah. this right. Does, mm. does no, that I make sense? I, I don't think it does. So my, my dad is a New Zealander and my mum is British. She's from Yorkshire. They've lived in New Zealand for 30 blah 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 years and my mum definitely considers herself more New Zealand than she does British but that doesn't mean that she forgets her exactly. British roots yeah, exactly. she will cheer on the all blacks she will yeah. do all of those things she's a gardener so she got fully invested in all to the native plants and has done all of that kind of stuff so she's fully invested in the New Zealand lifestyle and the New Zealand culture but she hasn't definitely hasn't forgotten her yeah. British roots because mm. really nationalism and unacceptance of other people seem to be something that goes hand in hand like that's how we see it but actually you know I think I'm kind of a nationalist you know I am strong in my thoughts about my country but I don't think it needs to mean that I don't have any tolerance for anybody else yeah. Yeah. or can't see that there is actually some sort of equilibrium in people going and coming you know the only places where that equilibrium doesn't exist is in countries where there is a war so you know there's all this like really strong views about immigrants but really if you're in a country that's in war what are you expected to do you know mm. you are trying to flee with your children and you are not yeah. doing this by choice you know who wants to leave their house all their belongings probably they don't have any money you know because when a war breaks out everything That's just, it. Everything yeah, everything collapses, just collapses. Yeah. you've got no money you obviously leaving behind your job and you can't pretend that the entire country was full of poor people that had poor people's jobs you know some of these people were doctors nurses yeah. you know lawyers yeah. teachers all kinds of people so they're leaving their jobs behind and moving halfway across the world to a space where they're not wanted they're ridiculed they've got mm. no money they have no belongings and they're at the destitute of others who actively seeks that no one you know that's a, an act of desperation obviously yeah yeah we were um, my husband my husband and I were sort of talking a while back what would we do if war broke out in the UK if there was a civil war or war how would we get to a safe country and obviously to us that safe country is New Zealand how would we get there like if there was a war and we couldn't get a plane would we have to cross the channel and then 
basically walk across the entire globe to try and then boat hop from in Southeast Asia to get to New Zealand. Like, how would we do that? With yeah. your three little With children. With our three small yeah. children, yeah. yeah. How would we get there? How would we manage it? It was, a, it was a really sort of bizarre discussion on, oh, we would have to go through this way and was looking at the map and sort of deciding which way we would we would go. Yeah. yeah it was really strange to yeah. think that you would even have to consider that. And for me, because you're using the word nationalism and stuff, and I just feel like that somewhere along the line, that word has been perverted. Because for me, being proud of where I come from, which I am proud of being British, I'm proud of where I grew up, I'm proud of the community and the society that I'm part of, to a certain extent, Brexit not included. I feel like I am a nationalist. I'm proud of where I come from. You know, I, I have pride and stuff. Or maybe I'm a patriot, I don't know. But I feel like for um, so many, nationalism means that actually somehow my country or my colour or station in life makes me better than somebody else, which is then, you know, so I'm already trying to set myself apart. And I feel like that word has been perverted. So, like, I can't say I'm proud of my nation because they're not like, oh, are you a nationalist? No, I'm not a bigoted. <laughs> yeah, you're not. A, you're, that's what I mean, though. You're not a nationalist in the current understanding of that yeah. word, and right? Because a nationalist doesn't actually mean that. You yeah. know, the definition is just that you're, you know, as you said, love your country. And so, yeah. do we need a campaign to take back the word nationalist? Uh, maybe yeah. and, know, and turn maybe. it into a positive, yeah. into a positive. I think light. we need a campaign for a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> We'll put it on the list of campaigns <laughs> yeah, to be exactly. started then. But you know, it's just, you know, when you're talking about identity, like for a lot of people, they don't even know who they are. <laughs> Like, yeah. really and truly, they really don't know who they are. A lot of them don't know what they stand for or what their values are until it's put to the test. Yeah. And normally that's then in a, a negative way rather than a positive way. So then what comes out of that is the negatives, you know, like, oh, this kind of person is bad or did something yeah. bad to somebody that I know who knew somebody else. So by default, everybody else is bad. To be quite honest, I used to laugh at the people going on about, like, Polish builders and whatnot and stuff and how they're taking all the jobs. And I was like, well, to be quite honest, we had a couple of guys that did maintenance over, you know, in our house over the years. And one of the guys was Polish. And to be quite honest, he turned up when he said he was. He did the work he said he was going to do for the price he said it was going to do it in. In the time he said he was going to do it in. Like, that was a very rare occurrence <laughs> with so many others. Not just British, but other nas- nationalities yeah. included. So why would you not go back to somebody offering you superior service or actually the service that they promised? Yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter where they're from. Uh, yeah. I remember when I was 11, 10, Nine, ten, or eleven—I can't remember—and I had a realization. So I was cycling home from school with a friend from school, and she said to me, "Your mum talks funny." And I thought, "What do you mean, my mum talks funny? No, she doesn't." And I went home and I said, "Mum, this girl from school says that you talk funny," and she said, "It's because I have a Yorkshire accent." And for nine, ten years, I didn't even know because I was so used to her accent that I could never hear it. And it wasn't until then I remember started to ask more questions about, what do you mean you have a Yorkshire accent? Why Why is your accent different from other people? What What's going on here? And it was um, sort of then I had this realisation about nine years old. It's like, oh, mm. oh yeah, there are different accents in different countries. And yeah, it was weird. I guess this whole thing about identity is all about whether or not you want to be surrounded by people who you think are just like you. Like same area, same relative experience, same background. Do you want to be, you know, basically surrounded by carbon copies of yourself, or do you want to be surrounded by people that actually add dimension to your life? And I mean, to be honest, though, I mean, I want to be with people that are similar to myself, but you guys are all similar to me. Okay. So I don't think that my cultural identity means that you know you've got to be sick because clearly we are not. <laughs> we are not of the well, same culture. Jamila's, Jamila's black. You're brown, and right now I'm pink. 
So, <laughs> United, I'm going to say lobster red. But. Lobster red, we'll go with that. United colours of Benetton over here. So, yeah. But, you know, like I don't think that that's what kind of defines you. That's no. what I mean. I think that it's something else. I think that you can have similar thought processes and even have like a similar upbringing and similar kind of values in life and have parents that come from totally different parts of the world. You might eat slightly different food, but yeah. other than that, I don't think much else is going to be different. Yeah. I certainly don't feel, you know, different to you guys in that respect. Well, that's all yeah. about being like-minded, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So thank you very much for joining us today. And please join us again with the next episode of Poopology from Ibiza. Who's on first? <laughs> okay, so m- my, I'll do my poop moment. Okay, go on then. So my poop moment was definitely this morning. Wait, do you not want to do an intro? Yes, I was going to. Oh, sorry. Just like, um. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is, you're trying to upstage me all the fucking time, honestly. Jack strips. 